If you don't know me, my name is Jonathan Fong. I'm the Director of Youth Ministries here at Trinity Church. I am blessed to be here. I'm blessed to uh, be the moderator for our panel discussion today. It's my first time doing it, so please uh, bear with me. Before we begin, I want to remind everybody of this journey we've been on. Um, we're doing this sermon series that uh, Pastor Albert introduced two weeks ago, and it's called Dream. And I want to start off today by reiterating some of the things that he mentioned when he started this sermon series. He posed a few questions to us that I want to pose to us today. He said, did you come here to grow today? Did you come to learn? Did you come with the expectation that God wants to change you? That you might become a little more like Jesus? Did you come with an open mind? I want to echo what Pastor Albert said and encourage all of us today to have an expectation that God is going to move in this space and he's going to speak to us through our panel discussion today. You see, you and I are disciples. And a better way of understanding this word disciple is apprentice. As apprentices, we are called to be students and learners. In the world of education, or my, 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 my day job, I say, um, there's a principle that we go by at my, at my nonprofit, and it's to be a lifelong learner. This is a principle that's an agreement that's made between students and education practitioners where both parties agree to the learning process and agree to be lifelong learners. I want us to agree to that process, process today as a family. So let us today be eager, eager and expecting to see what the Lord is going to say through our brothers and sisters on the panel. Before I call them up and before we continue this conversation, we're going to go through our prayer. So will you follow me? Oh Lord our God, you have chosen to make yourself known through your creation, your word, your son, and your spirit. Now reveal your glory to us and through us, the church. Speak to us, form us, lead us, dwell in us. Teach us today how to love as Jesus loves, to welcome the stranger, heal the sick, and care for the poor, to bear good news, build bridges, and bring your people home. For Christ in us is the hope of glory. May your perfect will prevail in us this day. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. So the purpose of this series, Dream, is to share the dreams and visions God is giving us for Trinity and, and to expand our collective imagination. Today, our brothers and sisters on the panel will share their dreams and visions that God has given them for the church and for their family. As someone who works with youth, with youth I'm particularly interested in this discussion, and I can't wait to gain insight and wisdom from our panelists. With that said, I want to mention, um, as I mentioned this discussion topic to my wife, Sandy, she's right there, um, she quickly responded by asking me, why did ask Pastor Albert choose you to facilitate this conversation? Because I don't have any kids. And I thought that was a very appropriate question that Sandy asked me. As I thought more about it, I wanted to share with you, my church family, the dream that the Lord, the dream and vision that the Lord has placed in my heart many years ago. And I'm going to do that kind of through this announcement about our family. <laughs> so, Sam, <laughs> Sandy and I are becoming parents as early as March of next year. But here's the catch. Here's the catch. She's not pregnant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, we are becoming foster and possibly adoption parents through an agency called Olive Crest. 
This desire to adopt stems from a dream and vision that I received many years ago when I was on mission in Mozambique, Africa. Sandy and I went on a mission trip for our honeymoon in the summer of 2012. Our main objective was to love on the orphans and widows. While in Mozambique, my wonderful wife who loves babies, she grew really attached to this one child named Mildew. As the days went by and I saw for her affinity for this child grow and grow, the Lord just kept tugging at my heart. You know when the Lord just like is confirming things in those moments, tugging on your spirit and painting a picture, giving you this vision and this dream of what your family can and will look like? I mean, I was in love. I was in love seeing the interaction between my wife and Mildew. As I continued to see confirmation, because it's important to dream, but it's very important to test these dreams and visions we have with the Word of God. Do you have the... I want, I want to point to you the scripture that the Lord was showing to me while I was in Mozambique. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Brothers and sisters, this adoption, which comes through the Spirit, is by far one of the most real concepts of Christianity to me. As a child from a broken home, I never quite understood what it meant to have a father. As a teen, I often wondered if I would ever receive the attention and affirmation, the love that I saw so many other teenagers have from, from their fathers. When I became a Christian, I saw how through Christ that I've been adopted, and then I too can cry out, Abba, Father. In Africa, the Lord made it clear that one day I will have a child of my own, and he or she will call me Papa. It quickly dawned on me that this dream and vision wasn't just for a redemption of my childhood, which many may assume. It was actually going to be this process of growing my capacity to love. You see, if there is one thing that all of us are supposed to be really, really good at, it's loving God and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. This dream of adoption has been a part of the process of the man that God is cultivating in me and the, God, and the man that God is calling me to be. So, but with dreams and visions, there's an, another important component, and it's called timing. You see, I had this profound vision and this dream of this family, but I had to wait. It wasn't until this summer that I received a text and a phone call from my lovely wife, and she said, I'm ready. And I was like, okay, what are you ready for? <laughs> she says, I'm ready to foster and adopt with you. I'm ready to see these dreams become a reality. As... <laughs> Before I could even, before we even hung up on the phone, like, I went on, I went on Google Chrome. I have my own, you know, we have bookmarks. I have my bookmark folder, and it says, like, future baby. <laughs> and then I looked up, I pulled up all my foster adoption agencies, and I just started reading their history and their frequently asked questions and about the process. And I was pinching myself because this dream, 
this dream that the Lord gave me in Mozambique, I'm like, I just, I couldn't believe that we're, we're there. As a family, we're there. Now I ask you today, what kind of dreams is the Lord putting on your heart? And I'm, I'm asking you today, if the, dreams, if the dreams that you have from the Lord are small, I ask you to dream bigger. The Lord will respond and he will meet us in dreaming these big dreams and he will use us to really live out these dreams for his kingdom. If, you know, like, it took, it took my wife and I a few years to get there. If there's something that the Lord has stirred in your heart from a few years ago, I want you to ask him today, Lord, was that from you? And if that was, how can we see that dream become a reality today? So I'm going to pray for us real quick before I ask the panel to come up. And I'm going to pray that the Lord will really stir your heart and that these dreams that he's had placed on your heart, that you will join us as a church and see these dreams become a reality. Amen? So let's pray real quick. Father God, I ask us, Lord, as a family, that we would step out in faith. That these dreams that you have placed on our hearts, that these dreams that you have called us to, that when your Spirit is poured out onto us, that we will have visions and dreams. We want to see these dreams become a reality. We want Trinity Church to be a beacon of hope and of love and of life and of passion and of zeal for you, O oh Lord. But some of us, we're afraid. We're afraid, to get, we're afraid to get off the boat, Lord. We're afraid to, we're looking at you from a distance and we're scared, God. We're scared of these lofty dreams that you place, place in our hearts, Lord. Help us to not fear today. Help us to be sons and daughters and help us to say yes. Yes, Lord. We want to live out these dreams and these visions that you have placed on our hearts. So Lord, um, I, I lift up my wife and I today. Help us, and I know my sister Veronica and her family, help us to be the forerunners of this church, that our church would be a church that maybe views adoption and fostering as something that we want to be known for. Something that, that would become a staple of what the community knows, us, knows Trinity as. A church that takes in the least of these. So, Lord, um, awaken our hearts and our minds to you. Help us to say yes. Help us to be bold and courageous for you, O oh Lord. We thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for just this time that you speak to us. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, can we have our panelists come on up, please? Do you know who you are? I hope you do. <laughs> panelists, come up. Give it up for our panelists. So this conversation today... You know, all of our panelists, they have children. Some of them have teenagers. And it's a really, really important conversation. I am here to learn just as much as anybody else, because as a future papa, I have no idea what I'm doing. So <laughs> I really need to learn from you guys. I just want to say, first and foremost, just thank you guys for being up here. It's a tall task, but I know you guys are up for it. And um, real quick, we'll just go um, left to right for me. You could just say your name and how long you've been at Trinity. Hi, it's Veronica again. Uh, I've been here 10 years. Awesome, thank you. I'm Janelle, and I've been here almost three years. Uh, I'm Wes, and I've been here about three years as well. I'm Abner, and I've been here for 15 months. I'm Jenny, and I've been here since 2007. Nice. So 10, about 10 years. <laughs> awesome. So um, 
we'll even we'll just make it an open form so whoever would like to answer the first question we'll get straight into it so how did becoming a parent change your understanding of the gospel and or your relationship with God so whoever would like to take a stab at it first that'd be great Well, I, I was not a, a Christian when I when I had my first child, but I will say that um, she was absolutely a dream, a dream that I, I never thought would come to fruition. And uh, Super, who's now 19 years old, um, allowed me to start becoming the person that I am today. She allowed me to start over. I was one person before I had her. The day she was born, I got to be a better version of, of myself. So she gave me a new start. Awesome. Awesome. How about for you, Abner? Um, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, a few years ago when Santiago was first born, uh, I left to go uh, speak at a conference. And on the plane on the way to this conference, uh, it was in Texas, I got this overwhelming sense of love uh, for the students that I was going to preach. And right before I went to preach, uh, later on that weekend, I felt the Lord say, uh, this this wasn't necessarily like just my love for the students that you're going to be preaching. This is the love that I have for you, right? And I think I, I started understanding God's love for me, uh, as a father, uh, I didn't grow up with the dad. I, my, my dad died when I was nine years old. So I think uh, being a Christian and being, being a parent um, has really opened up my eyes to God's, God's love for me and God's love for people. So I, I, I could understand that. Amen. Unconditional love. Amen. How about, how about you, Jenny? When Zoe was born, it was... She was a really hard infant. Um, everyone sees her and they think, oh, she's so easygoing. Um, but she was a really hard infant. And I would cry every day. And that was my opportunity to um, cry to God, pray to him. Um, I don't know if it necessarily was becoming a parent um, where um, like, my views changed. On says that um, since Zoe's turned one and she's become easier, um, my outlook has been changed more towards like outreach, whereas before before I was a parent and I was working and I was busy, my focus was on my job, um, on my students, on things like that. But I feel like now that I am in a different stage, my heart is more for the people around me and my community. And Having a child prepares you for that because you have to think of someone else above your own needs all the time. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about placing someone else's needs above your own? Because that's a, that's a very tall, tall order. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm pretty selfish. <laughs> Usually, you know, I always think about myself and what I need. Um, but when you have a, a child, obviously... I can't eat, I can't go to the bathroom, I can't do anything until their needs are met. And, um, you know, it kind of forces you as a parent to, to put other person's needs before your own. Yeah. Um. Awesome, no, thank you, thank you. So Wes, you have a, you have a few lovely, lovely kids. How has being a father just 
helped you understand the gospel in a more unique or a more uh, just in a different way? So, like like you point out, John, I've got I've got three boys uh, and a, a girl on the way, and um, one of the things that being a father showed me, like I never had seen before, was the way our Creator makes us and makes us different from one another. Uh, you go through life and you know you're not like everybody else, but you, you tend to think like you kind of are. Everybody's like me. I, I met a guy when I was in college who told me that, well, God doesn't like art because um, I'm made in God's image and I love math and uh, I can't really conceive of a God that would like art. And I thought, that dude's an idiot. Um, <laughs> but what, <laughs> what, I didn't, what didn't occur to me is I kind of do that too. Like you make God mm. in your own image. yeah. But um, when you've got kids, you start to see, I mean, Javi didn't smile for three months. He was a hard infant, too. He didn't smile for three months, and wow. that's no exaggeration. Wow. And Gable, like, came out smiling. And I was saying, <laughs> he's laughing. I'm like, he's telling jokes. He's, like, two, two weeks old. I know that's not cognitively possible, but he's joking with me right now. And it was, a, it was, it was refreshing after Javi. You love him different. But it's also just, like, we come out, he made us this way. He made us all very different from one another. And he loves us each. So that's something that when, when Paul says, you know, he made this person do that, like we're each a different part of the body and we all function together, I really gained a better understanding of that. And a better understanding of how if you're going to be preaching, the preaching, if you're going to be speaking, you know, preaching the gospel to somebody, it's going to differ person to person what hits them. Yeah. The, but also the perspective you gain from this person or that brother or that sister is going to be different because their view on God is going to be so different because he's made us each to engage with him in a, in a, in a different way, yeah. you know? Awesome. Thank you. And Janelle? I think for me, um, let's see, I've only been a parent for 16 months, but I feel like the biggest thing for me um, when I had Jeremiah was just learning to let go of control. Like, I'm such a control freak, and I want to control everything. And similar to what Jenny said, it's hard to place someone else's needs above yourself, but also feeling like you don't have control over everything that happens to them. Like, bad, especially bad things. Um, so I think, for me, it was learning how to really rely on God and trust that God loves my son more than me. And um, piggybacking off of Abner, I think, you know, I'm seeing... A bigger perspective of how big God's love is for me like if I could love this infant or this toddler so 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 much like that's just like a small tiny portion of how much God loves me and how much grace and forgiveness he gives me and and learning how to be gracious to my son learn like you know there's some things he doesn't know it's not his fault he's still learning and how to be gracious to my husband right because you're tired and your patience is short and all these things so I think yeah just learning how to submit to God's will and then learning how to place Jeremiah before the Lord not like me trying to do everything for him necessarily too thank you you know, this. I, t I, I tell parents all the time that God does, God loves your child more than you do. And I say that believing it, but hearing you say that, it kind of just like solidifies this thought that's been, that's resonated in me, but 
I've always hesitated because I don't have a child yet. And um, I think that there is a fear in me where I will love my child more than I would love the Lord. I think, I think that happens. Um, you kind of talked a little bit about um, marriage and how does, how does marriage start to change and your view of, or the relationship once you have a child and living as people that love the Lord and follow Christ, how does that start to like shift and change once you have a child in the home? Yeah, for you. Go ahead. For me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a loaded question. Um, man, it gets hard. <laughs> I mean, that's like a short answer. Um, <laughs> like, well, where do I start? Uh, I think, I don't know, you really, you really learn how God is the only one that holds you together. Like, mm. there, there's nothing... When you're both so sleep deprived and when it's hard, you know, you can't think, you can't possibly think straight. It's easy to, and I still do this, it's easy to turn against the other person and, and not remember that, no, God is for us. God is for you. God is for me. God is for our marriage. Like, how do we work through this together as a team rather than turn against one another? Because it's very easy to do that. And Raising a child, especially knowing they need structure, they need consistency, they need something that's, that they know that they can rely on that's predictable. So we need to be on the same page about everything. You can't just be like, okay, you do this and then I'll do this. Like they get confused. And so I think communication like is really important, but it's hard when you're in a place where maybe you're not entire, your mind is foggy and cloudy if you're tired yeah. and things like that. Yeah, I think. We- I mean, if I'm hearing you correctly, I think when, once you have a child, it really tests your communication skills. Like you see where you lack or where your strengths were prior to the child arriving, right? And um, yeah, that's really interesting. And I want to segue into an, um, uh, a different question. So uh, Veronica, can you share about your personal prayer and devotional life? What dreams and visions has the Lord been giving you lately for our church? Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, let me start with the dreams and prayers. Just, just because you, you are, you and Sandy are making my dream for this church come true already. I don't like to get emotional. So I'm not going to do that. But um, I, I've always, you know, widows and orphans, orphans really have always, always been in my heart, having come from a broken family and and dysfunctional life and having been on my own at at a very young age. uh, I I know what that, what that's like. Uh, I know what it's like to go through life feeling uh, unworthy of love, feeling, you know, like you're garbage. Nobody, God couldn't possibly love you. You're you're so bad And, and making a lot of mistakes that just reinforces that thought, you know? Uh, so having, you know, grown and, and left that and had my own family and realizing, you know, really believing finally that God absolutely loves me, wanting all of those kids. When I think of the staggering numbers of children in foster care, it's heartbreaking. You know, in LA County alone, we got half a million kids from birth straight into foster care. Uh, it's so sad. And so my dream has always been, can you imagine, like, what if, what if the church, the global church, really took that seriously, really looked out for the orphans and, and every family that had a love for, for a child, took a child in, right? 
what would be left in the foster care system? My dream there is that not a, a single system. child, right? Yeah, there wouldn't, wouldn't be a foster care system. It would not exist. So that yeah. has always been my dream, starting with here at Trinity. You know, what if Trinity, just Trinity took in a kid? What if yeah. every couple that could, you know, there, there are children, you know, I adopted many of you, you know, you, I adopted Elijah. Uh, I met him when he was three. And he was old, you guys. He was old in the system. Um, when children turn five years old and they're still in the system, they're done. They're aged out. They will not be adopted. They are considered old. Everybody wants infants. They want babies. So uh, there's the age between five and ten where you dream of having a home. Maybe one day I'll get adopted. Maybe I'll end up in a, in a good foster home. And it doesn't happen for a lot of kids. So my dream is to just always fill up my home fill up your homes, you know, if you would be willing, and just the church in general to take in these kids and love them and so that they would know that they do have a father that loves them, that their earthly father, their earthly mother is not the, the, the be-all and end-all, that it does not define who you are. Amen. You know? Amen. Thank you. So that's my dream. And I'm glad our dreams are so aligned. Yay, it's happening. I, and it's happening, right? I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's awesome. Jenny, how about for you? Can you share about your personal prayer and devotional life? What dreams and visions has the Lord given you lately? Um, I think when I first started coming to Trinity, uh, one of the scriptures, um, we were going through uh, Breaking Free, and one of the scriptures that was heavily ingrained in that study was Isaiah 61. Um, and during that season in my life, God was bringing me to a place of healing and restoration. Um, like the, the words from that um, verse, uh, that passage, um, uh, restore the generations, devast- uh, restore the um, generation, or the places devastated for generations. Um, and God brought me through a season of healing in those places in my own life. Um, and I think now I'm in a place where, okay, God has brought me that healing, so now what am I going to do with that? How am I in this season um, as a mother? I'm not working, um, going to um, be an agent of restoring those places that have been devastated. And... Um, so right now I'm in the process of applying to school, um, and I might get in, I might not, but, um, part of me is kind of thinking, like, does God really want me to go to school right now? Because Gloria has always said to me, um, uh, you're impacting the moms in your community, and if I go to school, I'm not going to have all that time, and I'm not going to be able to do that. So I feel like I don't really know, and right now it's like, okay, God, if you get me in, I'm in, and I'm going to do with what it is you have for me. But now I feel like God is bringing me to a place where how many friends do I really have who are not Christians? Mm. Like, we come to church on Sundays. Um, I went to a Christian school. I went to a Christian college. But how many friends, besides when I was working, like, do I know who are not Christians? And how can I love those people? So right now, Zoe and I go to a class with Janelle uh, three days a week right here at Bella Vista where Ann went to school. Um, and there's a lot of moms, a lot of, there's some dads, some grandparents, people here in this community. Um, they live right here on Atlantic. They're so close to church. Um, it's just a great opportunity. And I feel like 
I don't know, I feel like my focus right now is outside of the church and whatever that dream looks like. And I feel like Trinity is in that direction and God is leading us to go. It doesn't have to be far. Like even to Texas when you guys went, I was so jealous because I was like, I, I wish I could just go. I'll take the baby with me. <laughs> but it, it's not possible right now. So, or it wasn't possible, but I have a place right now and I feel like God is bringing that dream to Trinity, especially with MPCS. So just how do we bring our community here? How do we go out into our community? What does that look yeah. like for us? Whether it's, it's Houston, Mexico, or just the, the group that you're with with these moms, mm-hmm. it's, it's, really, it's, it's really all the same missionally. Like you're doing just as much as anybody else going out there. So I just want to encourage you. Mm-hmm. And then also... Can we pray for Jenny real quick? I just want to pray for some discernment over some of the decisions that you're making. So we just, you can just uh, lift, raise your hands towards Jenny. We're just going to pray for you. Lord, we just, we ask you that, um, we just pray for wisdom and discernment in this season. We pray, God, as she juggles um, just the application process and she's figuring out what exactly do you want, um, what do you want her to do, Lord? And we thank you, God, that she's already making inroads and she's making an impact with other moms. We ask you just to continue to Help that ministry flourish, that mission field, God. We pray for those moms today, Lord. We pray that Jenny will have, uh, just give her the words to say, Lord. And we pray that their hearts and their minds will be open to the gospel. That, um, that they will see that you love their children more than, more than they do. So, Lord, we just ask you to use our sister Jenny in, in that field to just be a beacon of light and of love. That to share the gospel just really courageously in that space. We thank you, Lord, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so Abner, Brother Abner, what is uh, in your personal prayer and devotion life, what dreams and visions has the Lord given to you lately? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I shared, uh, I think in June, right, when I spoke in front of the church just about my prayer life. Uh, I think that the Lord over the last, you know, two years uh, has really convicted me that I think prayer for us uh, is, is really at the heart of everything we do, you know, like, tell me how much you pray, and I'll, I'll tell you how much the Lord is speaking in your life, or how clear your ability is to hear from the Lord, so I think uh, uh, one of the first things that I have Johnny ask me when we do accountability, and, and Wes is going to do accountability with me over the next three months, um, first thing that I have my accountability partners ask me is, uh, how many times did you pray this week, you know, and I keep track of how, how many times I pray, I, I try to do at least five times a week. Um, and I find that if I'm not doing that, I'm just, you know, I'm a mess, you know. And, you know, being a parent, man, is just hard, you know. I think that uh, my, my son needs to be at school at 8 o'clock in the morning. We get him up at 6.30. By that point, I've already made breakfast, but he sleeps on a loft bed, which I regret making for him. Uh, because if he doesn't want to get up, it means you have to physically get up there and, like, you know, drag him down. <laughs> Um, and then by the time I drop him off uh, at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm all I'm all like angry. I'm all uh, physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted because I've had this like five year old just totally work me and my wife, you know. So now she's angry at him. Uh, we're angry at each other. Uh, and seriously, I, you know, for those of you that don't have kids yet, this, this is literally what it's like sometimes. Um, and I find that if if I'm not praying in the morning. Like, I get up at 5 now. That, that, that sounds just ridiculous for me to say, you know? Like, I wake up at 5 so that I can be 
in prayer, you know, spending only half an hour with the Lord by like 5.45 or 6. And if I don't get that, I just find, man, I'm a monster, you know? I just, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't function. Um, and, and I think prayer for me is, is, it's one of those things where, you know, Jesus says, I think it's in John 15, 5, you know, apart from me, you could do nothing. Yes. And I'm like, I, I take that literally. I'm like, apart from Jesus, I could do nothing, right? So, uh, and I mentioned this before to some of you guys, uh, when I mentor people, I'll, I'll just ask them, like, how, how, many, how many times a week do you pray? And they're like, oh, I don't, you know. If, if, if they don't answer within the first three to five seconds, I'm like, I know your prayer life isn't good, man. And uh, if you're going to receive anything that I have for you, you need to be in prayer, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, can't, I can offer you nothing uh, if I'm not in prayer. So I feel like a vision for me, uh, you know, I tell the guys during, in Mark's study, uh, this is just part of what we do, but my... My hope is that you guys would be in scripture and in prayer every single day. You know, yeah. in fact, like for two weeks there, right? Like I gave them a, a, a two weeks section of my devotional and I said, hey, uh, go, go for a five star week, you know, meaning like five times a week you're, you're in prayer. And then we came back and debriefed that. How was, yeah. how was your last two weeks? And some of them did it and some of them didn't. And, you know, I'm not trying to make people feel guilty, but I think my, my thought is, you know, there are so many people out there that are worshiping other things that, you know, maybe don't know, don't have a relationship with God, that, that wish that their God could respond to them. And here we are in relationship with the living God. And if we're not actually actively interacting with him, we're fools. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, here, you, I don't know. I think our God is an awesome God and a God that loves to interact with us. And I think we'd be foolish to, to not interact with him. It doesn't matter what age you are, you know. I think uh, trying to teach Santiago how to have, uh, I, I, call, I call it guys pray, you know. Yeah. Uh, teach them how to pray, and then I think for for, for some of the uh, prime timers, older members of the church, uh, everybody needs to be a prayer man. Everybody. So, I mean, with your you know with your new role here, it would be just totally ideal, right? That the way that we view prayer as a church it starts to shift more aligned to what you were just saying. That the desire and the heart to pray will start to shift as well, like collectively as a body. I just um, I'm excited for that. I think, I think, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm totally, you know, down, and I, th- um, I hope that everybody else is just open to that idea that we really got to be seeking the Lord together as a family. Um, Wes, you'll be the last one to answer for today, because we don't have that much more time. Um, can you share your personal prayer and devotional life? What dreams and visions has the Lord been giving you lately for our church? Um, so, when we, uh, when we pray, the the um, communal prayer that we, we, we use before we begin uh, the sermon, uh, for this year at least. Um, the, the, uh, toward the end, we say, to bring your people home. Um, and when I was praying and thinking through this this week, I was thinking... Um, Trying to figure out how to do this quick. I'm not going to do it quick. I don't do things quick. You're, you're, you're good. I see the time. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Yeah, you're okay, good. Thanks. No worries. All right. So on the theme of children, we, us, who are not children, have a child's understanding of a lot of things in our scriptures. And that is unfortunate because the Bible is rich. And the other part of, of what Abner was talking about, and, and actually what, what all of us are talking about, service, uh, prayer, 
is, is an understanding of our Lord as revealed in the scripture. So I was thinking about um, dreams. Yes. Uh, so y'all know Jacob had a dream, uh, and we call it Jacob's Ladder, or we talk about the, 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 the stairway to heaven, at least if you're a Zeppelin fan, you do. And um, that, that dream, that has a meaning and significance that we often don't think about because we, we encountered that story when we were in Sunday school. What are the angels doing in that dream? What was Jacob doing when he had that dream? And what is the significance of what the Lord says when he speaks to Jacob through that dream? Okay, Jacob was running away from his brother who was going to kill him because he stole his birthright, right? He stole his blessing. What was the blessing? The blessing was the line through which the Messiah would come. Where is Jacob when he has that dream? He's going between uh, Beersheba and Turkey, Haran. And he's in Bethel. And the best we can figure out, he's on the West Bank in Jerusalem. And he calls it, after he has the dream, Bethel, which in Hebrew means the house of God. Where did they set up the temple? In Jerusalem, the house of God. But the temple's gone now. When he has the dream, he sees a stair. And what's on the stairs? Angels. Jesus, Jesus, John says, we're getting there, yes. What's on the stairs? Angels going up and down. That's my Sunday school question. I have an answer in mind, and you have to get it if you're wrong. No, no. yes, that is correct, but I'm, I'm not there yet. You have angels who are going up and down the stairs. I see the time. <laughs> what are angels? They are messengers. That's what it means. Yes. Messengers. They are not people with angel wings. No. It's nowhere in scripture you got men with wings. No. They are messengers. Why are they going up and down the stairs? When I was a kid and I heard that, I thought it was a Busby Berkeley show. This is the guy from Hollywood who used to make the musicals and they're people on the stairs because they're just on the stairs. There's no reason they're on the stairs. They're just there. They're singing. It's decorative. That's how, because I, I was a kid. No. They are going, they are ascending and descending. Why? Who's at the top of the stairs? Yahweh and Jesus. Yes. And how do we know it's Jesus? Because when, when Jesus comes to, when Andrew comes to Jesus in John chapter one, and he says, Jesus says, you're Andrew. And Andrew goes, oh my gosh, you're the Christ. And he's like, because <laughs> I told you you were Andrew. I saw you before you were under the apple, or the apple tree. It's not an apple tree. Sorry. It's a fig tree. They don't have apples. No, he says, you will, you will see greater things. He says, you will see the son of man. At the base, though, of the stairs, and the angels ascending and descending. What Jesus says refers back to Jacob. That's how we know it's Yahweh is Jesus up there, right? And where? He will see them in Jerusalem, right? Because that's the seat of the throne of Christ. But why am I going through all of this? Is to say, okay, what are the angels doing? They're not people with wings. No. If they were, they would be flying up and down, as Talene pointed out. They wouldn't be walking up and down the stairs. They're God's messengers and emissaries going throughout the world. Why? To bring his people home, to go to the widows and the orphans, to bring them where? Into his family. Because what does he say to Jacob? When he says to Jacob from the top of the, of the stairs of the ladder, he says the promise that was made to Abraham, that I will give you a family that will have the whole world. 
that he had a heart from that time for the entire world, right? That that's the purpose of this story. And so when I was thinking about, I was thinking about when, I, when we get kids, I want our kids to hear that and understand the significance of that, mm-hmm. to not come away from Jonah. We talked about this in our class today and think it's about a fish. It's not. It's two verses, whole book. No, it's not. Yeah. The scriptures have so much depth and richness. Yeah. And it's telling us about our father and his heart. And when, we've, when we're in the scripture, we understand that. And when we're in prayer and we're constantly going back to that, and when everything we do, we're thinking about how am I going to, I mean, is it better for me right now to go to school where I can reach people? Or is it better for me to stay in this program with these women where I can reach these women? And how can I bring somebody from that world into mine so that we bring his people home and make them whole? And that's, I I want our church to be, my dream for our church is that we would be deep into each of these things and that when people come here, they would see Bethel, the house of God. Because this is his temple, right? When they come here, when you went to the temple, what were you doing? You weren't doing sacrifices to forgive your sins. I'm sorry. No, you were not. You were cleansing the temple so God would come in his presence and be among us. And when they come, and Carol was talking about you can cry here because you know this is home. And you know that this is the presence of the Lord among his people. So that's, that's been my dream for this. Okay, I'm, I'm going to jump off home real quick. Uh, yeah, and, and I just want to really quick, to, that we would be a place of healing and restoration. Yes. Amen. Where you come, you're broken, you're hurting. I was, I came here, I've been healed, I've been restored, and it's time to do that for everybody else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think just bounce off of that, Matt. I just, uh, the reason I feel like I'm here, why Molly and I are here at this church and our dreams, you know, as a young family, is just to equip the saints, man, like to equip everybody in the church from like the youngest to the oldest. Now, I don't care how old you are, man. You don't retire from kingdom work. Amen. You know what I mean? Like straight yeah, up. I agree. Like, um, I just like whatever it is that people need to go about their business doing the work of the kingdom of God. That's what I want this church to be about. And I don't care if you're two or three years old or 90, 95 or 100. Amen. That's that's what I want Trinity to be about. And that also includes like 15 through 20. <laughs> because, yes, we are intergenerational, yeah. but I mean, I want to see more of the youth here. I want to huh? see more of the Lances up here playing guitar. Because yeah. that's, I mean, I imagine Zoe when she's like 17 all the time. I think about what is she going to be like as a teenager? Is she going to be here? Yeah. I might still be here, but is she going to be here? You know, and that's, I feel like that's the biggest thing that we need right now is our youth. And I love seeing Facebook things, events about youth. Like they had a family worship night, but I didn't know about that until I saw it on Facebook. You know, we need our youth here. And uh, serving, going on mission trips. And I know that there are not a lot of fathers that are present. I mean, my own father was not present. My father's not a Christian. And I think that there's plenty of men here who can be fathers to people who don't have that. We need that here at Trinity. Amen. Can we get up for our panelists? You guys are feel free. Oh, yeah, you guys could feel free. And I'm just going to pray for us, and then we're going to tr- transition into our surveys. So um, let's pray. Wow, Lord, um, you could see, Lord, you know our hearts. 
you have given us these desires and even burdens, God, for your church, that we wouldn't be a church that's biblically illiterate, God. That we would be a church that understands that we need our daily bread to, to survive. That, Lord, we need to be sustained by, by your word. And in the midst of that, we, we need to seek your face, God. As your bride, Lord, I confess even in my own prayer life that, Lord, what you cultivated, cultivated in me, Lord, is a greater yearning to seek your face daily, Lord. God, as, um, as we continue to think about the things that were said today from our brothers and sisters on this panel, we pray, God, that as a church that we would unite and that we would start running with these dreams and these visions that you have for Trinity. Sometimes, Lord, it may just start with one or two people, and that's okay. But, God, we pray just for the spirit of unity amongst us, God, to really go after the things, the things of you, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that this week, that all of us will start to wrestle, God. Really wrestle, Lord, with these dreams and visions that you've given us. And that we will no longer stay silent, but we will be outspoken and we will go and we will share with the church as a whole. That we will live out and follow the dreams and visions that you've set in our hearts. Lord, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters today that we're just so willing and open to share about their marriage, about being, to be, being a mom and being a father, about their visions for Trinity, Lord. Would you continue to bless them, Lord? Reveal yourself more and more to them every day. We thank you, God, for what you're doing at our church. It's an honor to be here. We love you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name.